You are listening to a podcast from Vineyard Church of Augusta. For more information, visit vineyardaugusta.org. Our Advent message series is Finding Family. And what we're doing is we're looking at the Gospel of Matthew and we're considering um, just how God formed that very first uh, immediate family, uh, how he formed the extended family of God, and how he continues to form his family even today. And uh, that's, uh, that's what we're looking at throughout this month. And the title of today's message is Peace with Emmanuel. As, uh, as Charlotte said, today is our, our Peace Sunday, and we lit the candle of peace. And when I think about Joseph's situation that she read about from Matthew's gospel, uh, peace is not the first thing that comes to mind. When I try to put myself uh, in Joseph's shoes or his sandals, uh, I, don't, I don't feel peace uh, as, a, as a husband, who, as a man who's about to be uh, married and is engaged, and I learn this news, and it's like, oh no, what's going on here? Thankfully, we know how everything works out uh, for Joseph and Mary and how God used them uh, in this uh, whole big story about bringing the Prince of Peace into our world. Uh, God's good work in us, it is not always easy. How many of you could say amen to that? It's not. It's always good. It is always loving, but it is not always easy. Uh, in fact, it rarely is. Uh, at times, it can be really confusing. We want to understand things. We want to see the, the full picture. We want to have a clear you know, sense of, God, what are you doing? And sometimes that just doesn't happen, does it? It's just, it's just not God's way. Because very honestly, sometimes if we knew the full picture, we would run. We would run. And uh, so God, in his wisdom and his love and his kindness and his justice, he gives us what we need in that moment. And this morning, I want to just remind all of us, as I remind myself, and as we look at Joseph and see this played out in his life, as we see here in Matthew's gospel, that lasting peace, the lasting peace that transcends any circumstance that we find ourselves in, whether it is chaos or confusion or uncertainty, it is only found in Emmanuel, God being with us. Uh, you know, started getting Christmas cards. Some of you have already sent Christmas cards to the Leroy home. Thank you. It's great to see the Christmas cards. And, you know, it's, you, you see the, the beautiful artist rendering of the nativity, and you see peace on earth. And then you think about all the crazy that went on before, during, and after that. And in terms of like, really? Peace? Uh, peace on earth? But we know that for Joseph, that the events leading up to this wonderful uh, birth of Christ and the amazing uh, gift of God given to us in this beautiful infant God with us, God moving into our neighborhood through this baby Jesus, uh, we know that all the events leading up to that point are anything but peaceful, particularly for Joseph. He's learned some devastating news. His fiance is, is pregnant and he knows the baby isn't his because he knows they have not been together in that way. So he, as a good law-observing Jew, is trying to figure out, okay, what is the best thing to do in this situation? And he decides, in keeping with the Jewish law, he decides to divorce Mary in the most discreet way possible. Um, in those days, we have to understand that actually an engagement was a bind, law-binding uh, arrangement. 
And so for him to end that engagement would actually require a divorce. Matthew tells us about Joseph, uh, what his, his plans are in, in verse 19. He says, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Now, I, I really appreciate this about Joseph. I, I, uh, I've always been fascinated with Joseph. He is what some might consider a, a minor figure in the story of Jesus' birth, but I think it's pretty significant of just sort of what we see in him as a, as a man, how we see him respond and react and how we see him lead. And for me, one of the biggest personal takeaways from Joseph's part of the story of Jesus' birth is, is just how he practically lived out righteousness. How he practically lived out righteousness. Uh, for Joseph, righteousness was not some sort of pseudo-spiritual thing that just went on inside his head. It was, it was not that at all. For Joseph, righteousness was lived out by always seeking to do the right thing in the kindest way possible. And I love that combination that Matthew's very quick to let us know uh, he, that Joseph was faithful to the law, but also he didn't want to expose her to public disgrace. Those two together, I think, are really, really powerful. Seeking to do the right thing in the kindest way uh, is how Joseph embodied this faithfulness to the law and, and just really how he lived out righteousness. And this is a great example for us today as well as we seek to be righteous people because it's not always just the what of what we do, right? We want to do the right thing, but we also want to make sure that we do the right thing in the kindest way. Because how many of us know that there are times when it's like, okay, I was right. And we do it forcefully. And we do it not with a lot of kindness. And it's like, how is God glorified there? Where is the Holy Spirit? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. So I love the fact that we see in, in Joseph a righteous man, a man who wanted, he was a, great, he was a good Jew and he wanted to adhere to the law, uh, but he wanted not just to do the right thing, he wanted to do the right thing in the kindest way possible. And I believe this is a powerful reminder for all of us. Too often I see people, Christians, I put the in quotation marks, using God's word, they weaponize it. And that is not the heart of the Father. God's word is spirit-breathed, and it is life-giving. It is an invitation to experience life and joy and peace and wholeness, the kingdom of God. And so it is not to be a tool that we use to shame people or to drive people farther away from God and his love and his goodness. And so let us be people who embody uh, the, you know, the Spirit-breathed Word by letting the fruit of the Holy Spirit dwell in us in the way we speak the Word of God and what we do and how we do it. And I love that with Joseph, we see him uh, seeking to do the right thing in the kindest way possible. One of the ways that we can experience and live in this peace, peace with Emmanuel, is when we hear God's voice reminding us that he is with us. That's a big part of the whole uh, narrative of Jesus' birth, 
uh, with all of the different major figures and minor figures that we see. We see God speaking in all kinds of ways. In the story of, of, of Jesus' birth, there's a whole lot of dreaming going on. You notice that? Uh, and how many, how many of you uh, hear from the Lord in dreams? Anybody? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's something that maybe we don't give a lot of uh, attention to, but it's very biblical, okay? And I believe that it still happens today. Yeah, I have some crazy dreams that are, are probably very far from God from time to time. It's like, what did I have for dinner tonight? You know, that would bring that on. Um, but then there are those times where I've had dreams. It's like, okay, that was, it's lingering with me. That's staying with me. God, what, what's, what do you want to say in this? And I want to encourage you, be open to that. I got to say, sometimes I get so busy that only when I'm asleep can God get my attention. That's bad, okay? That's not a good thing. Don't model that behavior, first of all. But I'm so glad that God in his love and his mercy and his grace is willing that, you know, he'll come and he'll, he'll meet me and he'll speak to me. And, and he did that with Joseph. Joseph had his game plan. Uh, he, he knew what he was going to do according to the law, uh, but God had other plans. And I love the fact that, that God spoke both to Joseph. He also, if you read the account of the birth of Jesus in Luke, you see that's, that focuses on Mary. The focus here in, in, um, in Matthew is on Joseph. And two very different messages, but there is, it's all about the story of Jesus and his birth, obviously, but there is one line that is sort of the Venn diagram, the overlap between the angel speaking uh, to Mary and the angel speaking to Joseph, and it's this, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Uh, I need to hear God speaking to me. You need to hear God speaking to you in all the different roles of your life. I need to hear God speaking to me as a man, as a son of God. I need to hear God speaking to me as a husband, as a father. Uh, I need to hear God speaking to me as a pastor of this church. I need to hear God's voice. I need to hear him say, Reese, and all the roles that you're doing and seeking to, to thrive in, the things I'm leading you into, do not be afraid. And I know enough of your life as well to know all of us need to hear that from the Lord. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid about the things I'm leading you into the next season of your life. Do not be afraid uh, to take the path that I'm pointing out to you that might have not been one that you planned on 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago, but it's one that I've got for you in this next season it's one that might make you vulnerable in a lot of different ways, but do not be afraid. I am with you. What do you need to hear from God about today? Is it about a, a big decision about a relationship? Is it about financial thing? Is it, is it about a new path for your life and maybe a career, vocation? Maybe it's about where you're to go to college. What do you need to hear uh, uh, from God about today? Don't be afraid. Maybe you need to hear that from God today. Maybe you just need to hear God say, I love you. I'm for you. I am with you. Let me, let, me, let me stress this to you. We believe that God still speaks today. So the question is not, does God still speak today? The question for myself and the question for all of us is, are we listening? Are we giving space? Are we giving time to allow the Holy Spirit to interrupt our busyness, our 
plans, even our good quote-unquote right plans, to hear what he might have to say about the unique situation that we are in. You know, the Bible, God's spirit-breathed word, is our gold standard and our plumb line. Whether we dream, dreams that God speaks through, or whether we have visions, whether we have impressions, whether we see God speaking to us through nature, whatever it is that we sense, where we sense God speaking to us, we need to, to, to judge it and weigh it and test it against the, the written word of God, the Bible, okay? And that's why it's important for us to have a regular diet of God's word going into our lives. That's one of the many reasons that we need to, to regularly spend time in God's word so that we can know how to test that impression that I got. God, is that from you? Well, that lines up with your word. Or, oh, no, that doesn't line up with your word. So uh, that's not from you to be able to know that. So we need to regularly read God's words and, and take it in, meditate on it so we can discern and so we can uh, judge our impressions or even, even the prophetic words that someone might, might give us. We are a church that practices the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And one of those gifts, as Paul lays them out in 1 Corinthians, is the gift of prophecy, uh, giving words to one another that are uh, about God's encouragement, his strength, his comfort, but Paul also tells us as we receive words of prophecy that we are not just to, to take them hook, line, and sinker. We are to weigh them. We are to test them. We are to, to ask God, God, what, what are you wanting to say through this? Is this from you? Is this for me? How should I or should I apply this and how should I apply that? So uh, we, we need to be expecting here to hear God's voice in all kinds of ways, including dreams and there are those seasons where it's like, God, I'd love for you to give me a dream. Uh, just dream, maybe speak to me in a dream. And, and he's done that. He doesn't do it all the time. They are, they are infrequent, but I thoroughly enjoy them, and they're powerful, and they are stirring, and uh, they are good. So like Joseph, we often go about our lives, even in difficult and troubling times, and we don't seek God's guidance for stuff, okay? We, we go presuming that we know the right thing to do, Joseph had his plan. It was a plan based on the law, okay? This was not some radical plan. It was a plan that was based on Jewish law, and he thought it was the right thing to do, but in Matthew 120, we read, after Joseph had considered his right plan according to the law, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit, and she will give birth to a son. You are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And this is just another reminder as we seek the peace of Emmanuel with us. Uh, even in the midst of trouble and chaos, God, he is Emmanuel. He is with us. He is at work, just like he was at work in Joseph, just like he was at work in Mary. And yes, this work is in them is, is, is world-changing. It is history-altering. But even in my simple life, in your simple life, God is at work. He is. He is at work, and he is with us, and he loves us, and he wants us to know that, that he is with us. So when we go through tough stuff, when situations uh, that we face or our family faces seem to derail us, God is with us, and he is still at work. Several months ago, Mary Margaret shared uh, in one of the messages that she brought 
how when she was, was praying for our family, how the Holy Spirit just reminded her uh, that, that, we, that she had to trust his work in our family, particularly in our children, and as we were praying for them, and, and just that, that reminder that we have to trust the work of the Holy Spirit for each other in our own lives and also for each other. And whether the family, you know, we're talking about finding family here for the Advent season, whether that is a biological family, a natural family, or it's our spiritual family as our church family. Uh, it is about praying for each other, blessing what God's doing for each other, and trusting the work of the Holy Spirit in each other. That God, I just want to bless what you're doing in Christian's life. I want to bless what you're doing in Cindy's life and in Leah's life. I want to bless that. I want to, uh, to prefer that. I want to trust your good work in Bill's life. I want to see your kingdom come in them. And I know that you are at work in all of my brothers and sisters, whether it is a, an immediate physical family, biological family, or if it's a spiritual family. God's work is always loving, and it's good. As I said earlier, it's rarely easy, but it is always good. And so trust the work of the Holy Spirit in your life and in the life of others. God is at work even when we don't see him at work. Trust in the good work of the Holy Spirit. And some of you this morning, you need to hear that particularly, uh, maybe for your family, maybe it's for your spouse, maybe it's for your child, maybe it's for your parent. But know this, God is, He's for you. He is at work. Trust his good work in your own life and in those you love. Hear the word of the Lord and then do the word of the Lord. And Matthew is a wonderful example of that. Matthew 1.24, when Joseph woke up from this dream where the angel of the Lord is instructing him on the specifics of what he should do, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. And what did he do? He took Mary home as his wife but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave uh, him the name Jesus. I am really thankful that as someone who, who has a tendency to complicate the simplest of matters, uh, that God has made this really simple for us. He's made this really, really simple for us. That as followers of Jesus, you and I have only one responsibility, and what is that responsibility? It's obedience. We like to make it a lot harder than that, don't we? But that's, that's what he's calling for, Obe obedience, simple obedience to what he's, what he's called us to do. Uh, Matthew doesn't tell us that, that, that Joseph woke up, and when he woke up, he felt so much better about the whole situation and that all his family and friends were completely on board with his decision and that everyone lived happily ever after. That is not what we find in Scripture, is it? What we do find is that Joseph woke up and he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him. And we need to know that um, sometimes obedience is going to feel incredibly uncomfortable Sometimes obedience to God is going to go completely against the grain of our culture and our society. Most of the time it will. I mean, let's just face it. Uh, but we need to know that that's what God requires of us. That, that is what he's calling us to. 
If we have any other agenda, it's going to get us in trouble. But if our only agenda is, God, I just want to be obedient to you, what does obedience to you look like today for Reese? What does obedience today look like for, for Patrick? Uh, what does, if that's our prayer, uh, God's, we're, we're going to experience God's peace, guys. We're going to live in it. It's going to be our dwelling place, our resting place. doesn't mean it's always going to be easy, but what does obedience look like in my life today? That's our constant question to God in prayer. Uh, and then if we are responsive to get up and do what God has called us to do, we're going to experience his peace. We're going to experience his peace. Um, we see that one of the things that Joseph was instructed to do was to, to give the baby his name. And we read that Joseph gave uh, the baby the name Jesus. We need to remember that Matthew's gospel, as, as Roger preached last week and did a great job of taking us through the genealogy and reminding us that the gospel of Matthew was written primarily to uh, Jewish Christians. And so he gives a lot of references uh, to, to the Jewish history and reaching back to uh, linking Jesus, the birth of Jesus, all the way back to Father Abraham uh, back in uh, the Old Testament. And in order to tell his readers more about who Jesus is, uh, Matthew follows a time-honored Jewish tra tradition of pointing to his name, or in this case, two names that we read of Jesus in this passage. Uh, Matthew focuses on Jesus' special names, Jesus and Emmanuel. And remember, in, in Jewish culture, names were not just things you call people. Names were meant to actually reflect the nature and the character and the very essence of who that person is. I am not Jewish, okay, I don't know if you guys know that, although every time I go to New York, I get stopped by Jews for Jesus and they ask me if I'm Jewish. I don't know if they do that with everybody because I'm, I'm like as Welsh as you can be, right? And, uh, but that's always been the case. So, you know, my name is Reese and, you know, I am not the embodiment of chocolate-covered peanut butter except for around Halloween when I go through trick-or-treat candy that our kids used to get. Then I would have a lot of Reese's Cups in me. But anyway, uh, that's not our family tradition. Reese is my mom's maiden name, actually. Um, but as we look at what Matthew is doing and pointing specifically to Jesus and Emmanuel, he says, you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. At that time, Jesus was a pretty common name for boys uh, in the Jewish culture. Uh, it was Yeshua, uh, or uh, it was the same name of Joshua. And of course, if you were a good Jew, you automatically, when the name Joshua was given, you automatically think back, oh, Old Testament. Uh, you know, the, uh, the, the guy who, who brought the children of Israel after Moses led them into the promised land. You, you remember that uh, immediately, uh, the, the, the one who, who led them uh, after Moses into the promised land. And, and now Matthew's linking. He's saying, okay, this is a new uh, Joshua, uh, uh, Yeshua, who will rescue his people, not just from slavery in Egypt, 
but from complete and total slavery of sin. And this is the one who will rescue uh, Israel and all the world from, from spiritual exile, not just exile in Babylon, but from spiritual exile and distance and, uh, from God and reunite and, and bring into relationship. And so this is uh, really, really important that while Joshua was a very common name, Emmanuel, on the other hand, was not at all uh, a common name. Um, it was like if we were to have a child today and named them Holy, okay? That'd be interesting, wouldn't it? Oh, here's my, here's my child Holy. Meet my child Holy. Really? Wow, that's a lot to live up to. Well, what... By, by referring to the prophet Isaiah and what he spoke, this is Emmanuel. This is saying, hey, I want you to meet my child. This is God with us. That's a lot. That's huge. And so you got Jesus, Yeshua, Joshua, a very common name, but he's coupled with Emmanuel, God with us. This child is God. Now, biblical scholars suggest that there is no evidence that anyone uh, before Man, uh, Matthew would actually have really thought that much about Isaiah 7:14, uh, which Matthew refers to in this passage as something that needed to happen in order uh, for the Messiah to, to be born. But more than likely, Matthew found this verse that he refers to in his writing in Isaiah because he already knew the story of Jesus and he's wanting to make all these links for his Jewish readers back to the prophet Isaiah in which they had confidence. And he wants to point directly to this passage that all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet that the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Pretty cool. It's, there's a lot in the name. There's a lot in the name. He is Jesus, the one who uh, will save us from our sins. He is our salvation, and he is God with us. He is not a distant entity who is far, far removed from us and is waiting to just beat us over the head when we make a mistake. He is with us, and he loves us, and he is for us, and he is our peace. And the beautiful thing about this word Emmanuel and this concept, this idea of Emmanuel, God with us, it really frames the whole gospel of Matthew. We find it here. Uh, Matthew refers to it in this very first chapter as, as we welcome Jesus to earth, the story of Jesus' birth. And then if you look over to the very end of Matthew, Matthew 28, this is after Jesus' 33 years of living here on earth, after his, his trial, after his, his crucifixion, his death, after his resurrection, before he leaves this earth to go back to be with his heavenly father. He also reminds us in Matthew 28, 20, surely I am, he doesn't say Emmanuel, but he says, I am with you always to the very end of the earth. He is Emmanuel. And this book ends, this flanks, this is the story of God's love for us, that he loves us, but it is a way, it loves us in a way that is very close and is with us. He's not distant. He's not removed. He is not aloof. So we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be afraid no matter what we're facing, no matter what we're going through. 
We don't have to be afraid. God is with us. His lasting peace is real because he is with us. It begins when we accept God's gift of salvation. This is what his peace is all about. And this morning, if you haven't received God's gift, uh, I just invite you to do that. It's not about getting your life together and then, and then, you know, coming to Christ. No, it's just the opposite. We can't do that in and of our own strength. I, I, this morning, as I was, as I was just uh, praying over this morning, I kept being reminded about Isaiah 53, another passage from the prophet Isaiah. Pointing to the Messiah, he said, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities or our sins. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Jesus did this for us. God gave his only son for us so that we could know peace, so that we could know that we could live every day in peace, that, that comprehensive shalom, that everything would be set right with God, everything right between God and us, and, and us and the world around us, and us and our brothers and sisters. God desires for us to live in that, that shalom, that Jewish word, that Hebrew word for, for peace. He desires us to, to, to experience that and to live in that, and that is a gift that he wants to give us. And if you haven't received that gift God makes it really, really simple for us. We like to complicate it. The enemy loves to complicate it for us, making it all about us. And he knows and we know that we can't, we can't make ourselves right. But it's a gift from God that he invites each one of us to personally receive God's grace, his mercy, his love, to receive it. And how do we receive it? God's word's really clear about that that we just say, God, I acknowledge that I'm, I'm a sinner. I, I, I've sinned. I ask you to forgive me of my sin, of all the things that I've done wrong, and to come into my heart. Jesus, I thank you for, for being the one who took on my pain, who bore my suffering, and all the things that you did for being pierced for my transgression, crushed for my iniquities, for taking on punishment that brings me peace. I thank you, Jesus, and I receive your sacrifice, your gift of love.